Corinthians chapter 7, 25 through 40. Today we will look at verses 32 through 35, and we'll review those prior. Let's read the text and then ask the Lord to teach us. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 25 through 40. Now concerning virgins, I have no command of the Lord, but I give an opinion as one who by the mercy of the Lord is trustworthy. I think then that it is good in view of the present distress, it is good for a man to remain as he is. Are you bound to a wife? Do not seek to be released. Are you released from a wife? Do not seek a wife. But if you marry, you have not sinned. And if a virgin marries... She has not sinned, yet such will have trouble in this life, and I am trying to spare you. But this I say, brethren, the time has been shortened, so that from now on those who have wives should be as though they have none, and those who weep as though they did not weep, and those who rejoice as though they did not rejoice, those who buy as though they did not possess, and those who use the world as though they did not make full use of it. For the form of this world is passing away. But I tell you to be free from concern. One who is unmarried is concerned about the things of the Lord now he, and how he may please the Lord. But one who is married is concerned about the things of the world and how he may please his wife. And his interests are divided. The woman who is unmarried and the virgin is concerned about the things of the Lord, that she may be holy both in body and spirit. But one who is married is concerned about the things of the world and how she may please her husband. This I say for your own benefit, not to put a restraint upon you, but to promote what is appropriate and to secure undistracted devotion to the Lord. But if any man thinks that he is acting unbecomingly towards his virgin daughter, if she is past her youth, and if if it must be so, let him do what he wishes. He does not sin. Let her marry. But he who stands firm in his heart, being under no constraint, but has authority over his own will and has decided that in his own heart to keep his own virgin daughter, he will do well. So then, both he who gives his own virgin daughter in marriage does well, and he who does not give her in marriage will do better. A wife is bound as long as her husband lives, but if her husband is dead, she is free to to be married to whom she wishes only in the Lord. But in my opinion, she is happier if she remains as she is. And I think I also have the Spirit of God. Father, help us to see this. Father, help us to stand in our faith in this. Help us to stand in the grace that is in Christ Jesus in this. And Father, help us to understand that that surrounds us is temporal, that that indwells us is eternal. 
Father, may we decrease as you increase. In Christ's name, amen. I want to take you back a couple of chapters because I need to remind you probably the single most important focus for this letter being written. All right, what we're looking at in chapter 7 is singleness and married. All right, and this was an issue in the church in Corinth. I tell you the truth that in this church today it's an issue. We struggle with being single or being married. And what is its purpose? And what is the plan? And why are we at where we are? And Paul is basically just blasting most of our ideas and our thinkings about these relationships. And here's the reason that he is doing this. There's a focus that the Apostle Paul has. Comes in chapter 1, verse 10. Now I exhort you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all agree and that there be no division among you, but that you be made complete in the same mind and the same judgment. He's calling this church in Corinth, as he's calling you and I today, to unity, to be one. We have in our mentality that at a certain age, I need to be looking at getting married. And and we've been fed this from I don't know how long. And the church is really bad for it. Really bad for it. The reason that you see the bulk of quote-unquote singles ministries has one motivation behind it. To make doubles. And, and that's not the purpose of a singles ministry. A singles ministry should be blended in with the rest of the body of Christ. There's no separate delineation. The singles would do well if they would learn from the married. And you know what, married people? You would do well to learn from the singles. And so what the Apostle Paul is dealing with in this text, chapter 7, he began in chapter 7, verse 1. He says, I want to deal with some of the questions that you have have of me. You've asked me something. And here's what he said, concerning the things that you wrote. All right? And that's where we started. All right? Relationships. Humanity is nothing but relationships. If you're a single person today, you have relationships. If you're a married person today, you have relationships. My question is, and and it's for you individually, as a married person, are you unified with the singles? You single people, are you unified with the married? Are you saying the same thing? Are you looking at the same completion? Are you looking at the same desires and the same passions? The Apostle Paul in 25 through 40 of chapter 7 gives six reasons for remaining single. I gave you six reasons for getting married. Now I'm going to give you six reasons for remaining single and I'll review quickly. 25 through 27... Reasons for remaining single, the pressure of society. Okay, This present distress in verse 26, it literally means violence. This present violence, it is better for you to remain single. And I use an illustration. What would Paul's ministry have been had he had the, the thought always on his mind about his wife and kids? 
of making them a widow or making his children, if he had any, orphans. That will change your focus. That will change your mentality. We've got to pay attention to that. That letter that I shared with you on the church that's going on in Russia, Denver, how do you deal with that? Is that easier to deal with if you're single or if you're married? Single. Single. And we we have to pay attention to this because I believe emphatically, emphatically, that the spiritual assault that is being laid upon this church right now, and if you don't know we're in assault, you need to speak with me, is only going to intensify in the weeks, the days, the weeks, the months to come. Guarantee it. Why? The Bible says so. Evil men and impostors will grow worse and worse. That was written in 67. What I have found is very few churches in our area right now are standing on biblical exposition. I refuse to do anything else. If you want something else, then you need to find somebody to replace me. In doing that, and no one else is, or very few are, our enemy has a very small target that he has to choose from, correct? And you're either going to step into the war with us or not. And that's where we're at right now. That's where this church is right now. It's in the heat of battle. It is awful the things that I'm seeing. And yet I understand when the Apostle Paul says, in view of the present distress, all right, the pressure of society, society is only going to escalate against us. Okay, that's what hurts me when I see the church wanting society to like them. That's not our issue. Our issue is the good news of Jesus Christ. The second thing, verse 28, if you're married, you have not sinned. If a virgin marries, she has not sinned. So he's saying that the institution that God created that you know as I know as marriage is not sin. And if you do, even in light of what you've heard today, it is not sin, yet such will have trouble in this life. Why? And he says, I want to spare you that. Your flesh, your flesh, it will rise. If you have issues before you get married, you will magnify them in the marriage. If your spouse has issues, what do I mean by issues? For for the most part, it's non-repentant sin. And if it's non-repentant sin, when you bring it in together with another person, what happens to it? Let me ask you a question. You as an individual today, okay, individually, some of you are married to some singles in this room, but individually today, Matthew 6, 33, how do you do? Seek first his kingdom, his righteousness, and all things will be added to you. I'm not talking about your spouse. I'm not talking about boyfriend, girlfriend. I'm not talking about that. How well do you do with seeking first his kingdom, his righteousness? Is it easier with a spouse? Not only is it not easier, it magnifies the preceding problem. Listen, if I don't want to seek the things of God and I can find a spouse who is willing, (laughs) 
it's easy not to seek the things of God. Why? It's flesh. The flesh is at war with the spirit of the living God. If you are saved today, inside of you is a struggle. Your flesh saying, claiming, yelling, it knows what is best. And the spirit of the living creator saying, no, you don't. I created you. I know what is best. Bring those two in a relationship together, the covenant of marriage, and what happens? They call it 4th of July. Okay? Except nice, pretty, going ooh and ah, it's ow and ee. <laughs> right? 29 through 31. This passing world. Why? This, verse 31, this form of the world, this schema, this system is leaving. There's a new system coming in. There's a new form coming in. And he says here, hold it lightly. What? If you have a spouse, hold it lightly. Why? What if God says your spouse's race is up? What if your sp- what if God says today your spouse's race is up? Who has a guarantee that tomorrow has been granted to them? And he says, if you are married, be as if not. Meaning that should the Lord say one of our races are concluded now, so be it, my king. So be it, my king. I've been reading Ezekiel. I don't know why. But Ezekiel's wife dies. And he's not allowed to mourn. Well, I don't get it. Okay? And I'll be honest with you, I don't have an insight into it. Other than hold it lightly. Hold it lightly. Yes, I know Romans says those who grieve, grieve with them. But Thessalonians says, you know, we don't grieve as those with no hope. And he's basically saying, in, 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 in your spouse, should God say no, then rejoice and say, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's what Paul is saying. Why? This world is passing. It's passing quickly. But he also says, he speaks of it with weeping. Those who weep, your emotions, let your emotions not master you. Hold your emotions loosely. There's nothing wrong with your emotions. It's just when your emotions take off on a great adventure and you decide to go with them. I, I mean, I, I almost agree today, this is a, a, an illness. We are told to feed our emotions, regardless of how silly they may be. Feed it. Let it run. Let it run its course. Work its way out. Let me tell you something. If you allow your emotions to run, they will run without ceasing. Hold them lightly. There's nothing wrong with emotions. Hold them lightly. And the rejoicing. This is the things that make the world happy. There are things that happens in the world that makes, make us happy. Okay, it may be a sporting event or something like that. But don't let it master you. Hold it lightly. Same thing with buying, possessions. How many of us get thrown into a tailspin on possessions? Okay, ask my daughter tonight. 
Okay, transmission went out in her car. All right, and dad gave her the, this is how much it's going to cost. And asked my daughter what her response was. Why? It's a possession. It's a thing here. It's on the planet. It's a tool. It's to get me from point A to point B. And, of course, her dad doesn't help a lot. He says, you like horses? Ride. Okay, which probably is not the most encouraging thing I've ever said, but it won't be the least encouraging thing I've ever said either. All right? But what happens? If I get all wrapped up in this stuff, what happens? It overwhelms me. It beats me up. And guess what? People will look at you and say, look, they serve the risen car, house, job, 401k, investments, vacations, motorhome, motorcycle. What is it? But he also says the form of this world is passing away. Those who use these worlds make full use of it. He says don't abuse it. Use what's out there. Absolutely, I agree. Absolutely, use what's out there. I had a person ask me about this faith-based initiative a few years ago. President Bush wants the churches to start drawing federal money to help. And I've had people step up and say, I just can't believe they would do that. Why not? Federal government's been taking our money for years. Why not take some of it back? I don't see the problem there. I'm not going to become a slave to it. But if you have a plan that can have federal subsidies to it for the things of God, why not? And I hear people say, well, the church can't borrow money. Anybody here in debt? Anybody here borrow money? Okay, for what? So I can borrow to build my house, but I don't want to borrow for the things of God. Oh, I'm not sure about that. Okay, don't be enslaved to it. Don't let it master you. But I don't understand that. That's silly. I can borrow for all of my physical need, and yet God of the universe says, I will meet almost all of your need through credit, MasterCard, or Visa. Is that what I said? But we think, well, God must be meeting my need because He gave me a MasterCard, American Express, Discover. No, I don't think that's the way it really works. See what we just did? What became the foremost in our lives? The world. But he says, you know what? The system is short. This schema is short. Use it. Don't abuse it. And definitely hold it lightly in your hand. Because if God says, I want that now, then you should joyfully say, here, it's all yours. Which brings me to verses 32 through 35. All right? You know, I was looking at this, and it was kind of amazing. I want to bring back to your attention, you who are married and you who are single, verse 7 of this chapter, I wish that all men... Okay, now remember what he says there, I wish... It's not that they are. I wish that all men were even as myself. However, each man has his own, and the word is charisma in the Greek, has his own spiritual gift from God. One is this manner and one is that manner. What is he saying there? What gifts would he be talking about? One would be the gift of marriage. One would be the gift of 
singleness. Yet, do you understand that they're both supernatural? And I was thinking about this in my own private time. Sin. Single people are not really single if they're saved. You ever thought about that? Now, if you're not saved or you think you're saved, but you're not really saved. Yeah, you're single, you're lonely, and you're searching. Okay, I've never met a person who isn't searching, wanting something, and literally worshiping something. But if you have the indwelling Holy Spirit, then there's no such thing as singleness. You have God. All right, what is our central focus? If you're married today, if you're single today, what is your single focus? Think about um, in, in, in the fact that a single person has the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. It, think about this. This is just something that, that crept into my creaky old brain. Have you ever thought that maybe single people are the most complete of all? Here's why I say that. They have no need for another human to complete them. Okay, keep it in the context of a charisma, a spiritual gift. All right, if you have been spiritually gifted for singleness, you surely should be paying attention. Paul is saying, and I just want to go back because... We make an issue out of being married and being single. There's not a person in this room who has not battled with the issue of being married or being single. I mean, some of them, some have been married so long they'd give anything to be single. Some have been single so long they'd give anything to be married. Okay, isn't that the grass is greener somewhere else? Right? And we think, but my ministry would be more effective if I was single. My ministry would be more effective if I was married. But, and then we go back and forth and back and forth. And it's almost like God didn't know what he was doing. And perhaps you falling into the fatal error of trying to achieve ministry instead of receiving ministry. Okay? God gives you a mission and says, do it. Well, that's not exactly what I had planned. You won't get another one. If you're not faithful with the little, you won't get more. Verse 20 of chapter 7 says this. Each man must remain in the condition in which he is called. You know what he's basically saying? The issue of marriage and of singleness is not an issue. You made it an issue. What did he say was part of the problem that was destroying the church, the unity of the church in Corinth? Man's wisdom, man's philosophy, his philosophy, phileo, sophia, love of wisdom. And so man's love of wisdom says, if you are single, you can be totally and wholly devoted for God. But if you're married, you're fulfilling God's decree to procreate. And not only that, now you can minister to men and women at the same time. What did you just do? 
I put my wisdom, my understanding up and said, God, you need to seek my counsel. Really? Verse 24. Brethren, each one is to remain with God in the condition in which he was. Do you get that? Remain with who? Come on now, wake up. I know it's a little warm. If you, you'd answer, remain where? Ethiopia. No. Remain where? Whether you're single or you're married. What should you be doing? How well are you? Do you believe changing that relationship will make you remain with God better? If you're single, I will remain with God better if I'm married. If you're married, I probably should be single and I could remain with God better. What is the issue? Christ's life. Abiding in Christ. Remaining in Christ. Remaining where Christ is. One of the things that I love about Henry Blackaby was is that what you need to do is die to self in such a way that you know what God is doing and then plug in to what He's doing. You, we don't do that. We look around and say, boy, I'd like to do this. Come on, God. And you don't understand why it isn't blessed. Instead of saying, here's what God is doing, let me be a part of what He's doing. Well, but I've had this burden laid on my heart. How do you know it ain't acid reflux? Okay, pepperoni, anchovies can do that too. But what we do in our temporal relationship is irrelevant about remaining in the Lord. That's what the Apostle Paul saying. It's not the issue. Verse 27 says, Bound to a wife, do not seek to be released. If you're released from a wife, do not seek a wife. Those aren't the issues. Paul says, you guys have made these an issue because you're bringing your wisdom, your understanding into this stuff. Okay, verse 32. I want you to be free from concern. Now again, I'm going to reiterate this. If you have the gift, if you have been spiritually gifted with singleness, then exercise it, Paul is saying. I see people who have the possibility of the gift of singleness, and yet they are more concerned about being married than remaining with the Lord. Okay? A preoccupation. Okay? Do you, do, do, I gave you verse 20, 24, and 27. The focus should be what? Christ, God, where are you at? God, what are you doing, God? Here I am, God. What do we want from me, God? How can we accomplish this, God? Let's see this, God. I'm with you, God. Let me focus on you, God, and the things you're doing, God. Right now, right now, right now. How many of you get preoccupied with relationships? Very easy, isn't it? Married people can get preoccupied with their Spouse. Oh, I tell you what, I need to kick that bum out. If I kick that bum out, I'd be spiritual. Okay? Single people say, well, if I could just get me a man or a woman of God. Okay? They don't want you. Did you know that? 
If you're sitting there worried about getting a man or a woman of God, a holy person doesn't want you. Why? What do they want? A holy person. And you're preoccupied with the flesh. Right? So you're not going to get that godly person. You're going to get ones just like you. And guess what you're going to do? Magnify the problem. All right, now you've got two fleshless people seeking things of God. In their own strength, their own power, and their own wisdom. All right, look what he says here. Verse 34. I want you to, if you're, you've got a King James, I don't know if New King James, I forgot to look. But it's, it drops out the word are divided. His interests are divided. The word his interests are not in the text. But if you have a King James or New King James, let me read the text as it should be read. Okay, One who is married is concerned about the things of the world, how he may please his wife, and is divided. That is the best manuscripts. All right, if it's King James, it's King James had early manuscripts that weren't we hadn't found at this time. Our best ones say is divided. Now I want to deal with this because we start saying, oh, now you're saying to get married is a sin. That ain't what the text says. It says that if you're married, there is a concern about what? Pleasing the wife. Alright? Which means there is a division in the concern. Isn't there? Here's what J.B. Lightfoot wrote. And I, I think this just is phenomenal. Okay? Quote, A man who is a hero in himself becomes a coward when he thinks of his widowed wife and his orphaned children. Unquote. That's good. I'm willing to die for Jesus Christ right now. Uh Oh, my wife and I may not be willing for me to die for Jesus Christ right now. And, you know, if I died for Jesus Christ, she might kill me. Why? Look what he makes a statement here. You've got to watch this flow. I want you to be free from concern. I want you to be absent of anxiety. Why? If I'm single, I can give a whole devotion to the Lord Jesus Christ and I'm not divided on taking care of the family. And and I want you to understand. Go back to chapter 7, verse 3. Here's what God says of married men. Husband, do what? Fulfill your duty. This division, this divided concern of the things of God and concern for the wife is a mandate, but it is divided now. All right, remember what he says there in verse 4? Your body is not your own. Okay, right? It is your spouse. Your spouse could do with it, all the rest of that stuff. Everybody was moaning and groaning when I talked to that. All right? It's not mine anymore. It's his. It's not hers anymore. It's mine. Da-da-da. Fulfill your duty. What does that mean? All of it. Spiritual and physical. All right, so if I've got that going on right now, then how do I meet the desires of Christ? It's easy. You're divided in your concern. Okay? There are certain cares. Some may even call them entanglements. Some may call them encumbrances. That come into your mind when you're married. I don't care who you are. If you're married, there are times when you're wanting to be Christ-focused 
and your family or your spouse, your children or whatever will bring things into your mind that will encumber focusing on the things of God. A married man must concentrate on the things concerning his wife also. And a single does not have to have this. Why? A single person literally can be single focused. There's a potential there for this single mindedness. I've met a few of these. Okay, but I'll tell you this, not every single person is totally devoted to Jesus Christ. Okay, so you single people could look at some marriage and say they don't seem to be absolutely devoted to Jesus Christ. And I would say, don't look in a mirror. Okay. In the life of an unmarried person. There should be but one set of cares. That's the relationship to the Lord. Married have divided cares. Okay, now listen, it's not that these this divided interests are bad. That is of the Lord. I showed you that in verses 3 and 4 of this chapter. All right? But there is an inability that single people would have. Okay, let me give you another text. In, in Luke's Gospel, chapter 14, verse 20, Jesus is calling people to come follow Him. Come be my disciples. And He's going down, and He, he gives a parable here of a dinner. And, it, and that's where it picks up. All right, But in verse 20, asking people to come follow be soul focused, single focused. To another one, he said, I have married a wife, and for that reason, I cannot come. Okay? I wonder how many times uh, that this has happened. In the history of the church, how many ministries or opportunities, but somebody got married and couldn't go and couldn't be a part of it? Okay, now this this isn't wrong. I understand the responsibility part of humanity. I understand the sovereignty of God. Absolutely. Please, that's not what I'm dealing with right now. But how many times, because I'm married, it has limited us in what we could have potentially done? So single people, why would you limit yourself while you now are at this point gifted with singleness? Okay? Now listen, it is not wrong to marry. Please understand, that's not what I'm saying. Uh, it may have been better if the gift of singleness and that it utilized that gift. I have uh, some friends that I, that I sort of minister with. I, I've been trying to help them and all the rest of Newlyweds. Happy newlyweds. They just bubble and smiling all over each other. And I just sickening. Actually, but they and I thought, well, you know what? We got said they've been married a month, just barely a month. Yeah, yeah a month. And uh, the husband came up to me and he's got this look. He says, I need to speak with you. I'm like, oh, great. Um, so I said, yeah, what's up? And he says, my marriage has come to a crisis. We're 21 days into this, Bubba. <laughs> You're on the fast track, ain't you? <laughs> They tell me that the first 22 years is the worst. Um, and I said, uh, what is it? He says, 
you know that me and my wife have longings to, to reach, you know, unreached people. And I said, yeah. I said, that's great. He says, well, my wife wants to go to Africa and I want to go to Asia. I said, well, doesn't absent make the heart grow fonder? <laughs> and he goes, what? <laughs> All right. What just happened? There's a divided concern in this man who wants to be the spiritual leader of his wife and his wife has laid out great work for Africa. But he's already, and they've both been involved in Asia. But if they were single, what is the concern? There is none. There is none. All right. Listen, God is not. I, I, I want to give you a little footnote thing here. <clears throat> this gift, this charisma of God of singleness, is a spiritual gift. We've you've talked about spiritual gift. They've got the gift of wisdom, got the gift of this, or got the gift of knowledge, or preaching, or something like that. But this is the only spiritual gift that I can find in the scriptures that you have an option to use it. If you have the gift of speaking and you're not being used to speak it, you're grieving the Holy Spirit. Okay? And you just go down the line. All right? But this one here, you can do it either way. And it's kind of interesting if you think that the gifts are for what? Spiritual gifts are given to believers for what? Edification of the saints. It's for the body. So think about this for a second. Spiritual giftedness of singleness for the body. Absolutely. There's things that single people can devote themselves for and they don't have to go get permission. Like men do. (laughs) No, just kidding. Just kidding. Just can lighten up, people. Gee whiz. Okay? Verse 28. Let me back it up. But if you're married, you're not sin. I just would like you stay out of trouble in life. Okay? So there are gifts in the body, and one of them is singleness, and yet that gift of singleness is the only one I can find an option in. All right, now listen. I want to be specific on this. If you're married, you have not sinned. But I, I would suggest to you that Paul is saying that if you have the gift of singleness, you had better use it. Okay? See, God never makes marriage a sin except under one circumstance. When is marriage a sin in God's eyes? Anybody know? Marrying an unbeliever. Marrying an unbeliever, it's a sin against the Holy God. The marriage itself isn't a sin. The rebellious heart that would take the sinner is a sin. What's really cool about that is, and I think about it, you take this saint of God, you got this unbeliever over here, a saint and an ain't, and this saint rebels against God and takes it into this marriage thinking, I'm going to win this lost person, and they're in rebellion against God. Guess what? 
uh-uh. <laughs> God says, you want me to bless what? And you're in open defiance of me? I had a gym teacher who had an exclamation for that. That's one of those, uh, it's time for you to bend over the desk and grab your ankles. Because I'm about to whoop you. Okay, and that's exactly what happens. But I see it happen all the time. Well, maybe they'll get saved. You don't know that. You don't know that. Okay, so one time in Scripture, marriage is a sin. Marrying an unbeliever, all right? But marriage is a good thing. Okay, like I said, Peter says it is the grace of life. I kind of look at it as the whipped cream on top of the Sunday. Okay, but yet the gift of singleness is something that you can use. If you're unmarried, you have potential. There's a potential um, of caring for the things solely and wholly that belong to the Lord. You're worried more about the eternal than the temporal. Verse 33, he who is married is concerned with the things of the world, i.e., how to please your wife. Verse 34, interests are divided. Okay, the woman who is unmarried and a virgin is concerned about the things of the Lord. Okay, there's a greater care, greater, there's not a division there. Let me give you the, the, the illustration again. Go to chapter 6, verse 33 of Matthew. Seek first the kingdom of his righteousness. What happens to you? What would all things be? All things. Okay, you get up on the morning. You're feeling very kingdom-minded, spirit-filled, right? The things of God are everywhere. The passions of God are just pouring out of your body all over the place. You have love overflowing, all right? You're thinking today will be a massive day for the King and Lord in my life. You look over at your precious spouse and they wake up incarnate evil. <laughs> what just happened to the things of God and the kingdom and His righteousness? Right? And he says, it is easy. If I all I have to do is fight my flesh, that is a formidable challenge. Wake up with someone who's fighting their flesh. And I don't even want to get into the issue when you both wake up fleshly. Okay, because you end up in the news. All right? But it's, it's, it's things like that. There is, in singleness, there's a potential to concentrate on the things of the Lord. I mean, it's a lot easier to wake up and say, my body is not my own, it's only the king's. Than to wake up and say, my body belongs to everybody but me. Verse 35, I say this for your own benefit. I say this for your own benefit. Um, what happens, um, we've got it in this fellowship. We've got a couple of people who are married to unbelievers. And how how... Often have they had to struggle between pleasing their unbelieving spouse and trying to serve the Lord. I tell you what, if you're single, you should speak to these people. I'll give you their names and what it's like to serve in a home that has, is divided allegiances. 
Why? You think it's tough to walk with Christ by yourself. Try to in a household that one's walking with the devil. I mean, you can't run around and tell your spouse, I believe you're just walking with Satan here. Um, <laughs> you could end up being single <laughs> or dead. Okay? So there, on one hand, devotion to Christ to fulfill his desires, and the other, they have to accommodate the flesh of a partner. The flesh of a partner. All Paul is saying is that a person who is married has a divided concentration. Has a divided concentration. Verse 34, his interests are divided. The woman who is unmarried and the virgin is concerned about the things of the Lord and how she may be both holy in spirit and mind. I want you to look at that because people get freaked out on that and they say, does that mean if you're single, you're more holy? No. Why? He uses an important phrase here. Okay? Holy both in what? Body and spirit. What does the word holy mean? Set apart. So I can set apart or be separate if I am in the body or in the spirit if I am single. How would you like to wake up, man, in one beautiful sun Saturday morning and you're setting apart your body for the Lord and you're setting apart the spiritual for the Lord. I'm here, Lord. And the wife says, the grass needs to be cut, Jesus. And you're up. But my body don't feel... Feel your duty. Okay? See what I'm saying? There's a separation. There's a potential there. Again, um, it's not the singles are more... Listen, do you understand that holiness, personal holiness, has absolutely nothing to do with marital status? Okay? Um, one of my favorite words, it's holiness in a believer is imputed by God. What does that mean, imputed? It's like if you had a bank account and somebody came and just put a million dollars in it for you. It was imputed to your account. Okay? That's pretty good. Actually, that's very, very, very good million dollars. Okay, holiness in a believer is imputed to them from God. Do you understand what that means? It is not based on you, where you're at, or what you're doing. Okay, so a single can be separated unto God physically and spiritually. Okay, physically, uh, it's, it's a lot easier if you're single to physically present myself devoted to Christ. Spiritually, it is easier. Why? You don't have to wake up and find out whether the person next to you is spiritual or not. All right? There's a freedom to concentrate. Now again, I'm going to reiterate. If you have the gift, if you don't have the gift, then 1 Timothy 5 applies. Let younger women marry. <laughs> so he says. Why? So they don't become, well, never mind. They can become an affliction to the church. Basically is what he said. All right. If they're gifted, then there needs to be a concentration both physically and spiritually to the things of God. All right. Those who are married are concerned about the things of the world and how she may please her husband. Verse 35. This I say for your profit. 
your own benefit. Okay, but look what he, I, want, I want to show you this. This is this is kind of fun. I do not put a restraint upon you. Um, that's a cool word, bakros in the Greek, bakros, and it means literally a noose around your neck. I'm not making this a legalistic noose, Paul is saying. I'm saying that for your benefit, stay single if you're gifted. That is good. Why? The issue in the Corinthian church is you can be more effective if you're single or are you more effective if you're married? Paul says that's not the issue. Your effectiveness is based solely on your devotion to the Lord Jesus Christ. Period. Your ineffectiveness is based on your lack of devotion to the Lord Jesus Christ. And your marital status doesn't even play into it. Alright, so basically with the word bakros, he's saying it's not a command to stay single. It's not a command to get married. But what he's saying is you have a freedom. If you're single, what will you do with that freedom? But not only that, if you're married, you have a freedom. What would you do with that? Tell, Paul is basically telling us, you have the gift, you're better off to use the gift. I'd give this, I, that the passion of a pastor. Why? Every single one of you is gifted. My passion is, use your gift. Use your gift. If you're single, use your gift. If you're married, use your gift. I don't care who you are. Use your gift. An undistracted devotion to the Lord. All right. Let me. I want to give you one illustration of this, and then we'll wrap it up. In Luke's gospel, many of you've read this and you've heard it taught, but I bet you've never heard it from this perspective. Okay. Romans. That won't work. Luke's gospel, chapter ten. Thirty-eight through forty-two. You've heard this. Somebody stole chapter ten. There it is. Now, as they were traveling along, they entered into the village, and a woman named Martha welcomed her him into her home. She had a sister called Mary, who was seated at the Lord's feet, listening to His word. But Martha was. It says distracted. What do you want about that word and the word divided interest is the same? What do you figure? Think? I'll let you check it out. I'm not giving you an answer on that one. With all of her preparation, she came up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the serving alone? Ooh, sounds like a Baptist church. Then tell her to help me. What's the Lord's response? The Lord answered and said, Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered about so many things, but only one thing is necessary. For Mary has chosen the good part, which shall not be taken from her. The Lord looks at, now listen, you have a woman who's exercising the gift of hospitality. 
Okay, I would argue she's exercising that gift in her own strength, but that's another issue. And is it wrong to exercise the gift of hospitality? Is it wrong to offer the gift of serving? No. But let me ask you a question. Which would you rather have? Hot dinner or the Word of God? Cold dinner or the Word of God? Mary had a single-mindedness. All that is going on around, you think about it. You know where it is in Christ's life. He's getting ready to die. He's in Bethany. Okay? And we're, we're about a month out. We ain't got much longer. All right? All that's going on, all the franticness that's going on in, in the household. Jesus is here and selling tickets and all. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but all the stuff that's going on, right? Getting ready. I mean, he had an entourage with him. We, we know he had the, the, the 12, which probably meant that there was, you could probably triple that. And so Martha's in there trying to get food ready. I I find it funny, in a sense, that he who creates food and you're worried about fixing him dinner. Okay? I mean, maybe if they'd have both been sitting there, they would have had some purely sinless created, I don't know, something. Mary had a single-mindedness, even with all that was going on, and all she wanted to do was drink, to feast in the devotion of Jesus Christ. Martha knows that Christ is in there. She knows what's going on. She knows that it's good before God to be hospitable. But what had happened to Martha? Distracted. You know what? There ain't a person in this room ain't guilty of it. Being distracted to the things of God. Okay, It isn't wrong to be hospitable, but it can cause a divide in our devotion. All right, Paul's saying, thank God for those who have single-mindedness. I wonder if maybe the unmarried are more fulfilled because they don't need that other person to complete them. Listen, I know a few. I've got some emails from a a young lady that I met when I was in Israel. She's in Asia now, preparing to move into China. Uh, And she's laboring for the Lord, and she's completely fulfilled, completely content. Young woman. She's probably, uh, she just finished up her doctorate in linguistics. That ought to be thrilling, huh? Um, No wonder you ain't married. You talk funny. Uh, but uh, she is absolutely completely fulfilled. And she's an attractive woman. I mean, she's not like a supermodel or anything like that. An attractive young lady. She's probably uh, not 30, but probably not far from 30. And she is absolutely, totally fulfilled in what she's doing. Okay? Her greatest concern right now is her brother is not saved. And through the history of the church, there's been a, many of You've heard of Amy Carmichael, haven't you? I mean, have you ever thought about Elizabeth Elliot? Everybody here know Elizabeth Elliot? Okay. What would have been the power of her ministry had her husband not been murdered? 
Interesting concept, huh? And she spent many years single and she reached the literal tribe that killed her husband. But she could only do it when she was single. How weird is that? There are reasons to receive the gift of singleness and welcome it. Rejoice in it. Why? Pressure of the society, problems of the flesh, passing of the world, the preoccupations of marriage. If you're single, you don't have the preoccupations of marriage. If you're married, I don't have to define the preoccupations of marriage. What an awesome God we serve. He literally graces to the body of Christ supernaturally empowered people for singleness. Are we grateful? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I praise you for the amazing things that you're doing. Lord, I pray that we that are your children who are supernaturally empowered, Father, we would exercise that gift. Father, if there are those in this body who are gifted in singleness, Lord, I ask that they would cherish that gift and that they would use it in the abundance in which you have poured it upon them. Father, we who are gathered here even now as gifts to one another, Lord, may we, may we rejoice in the gifts that you've given us. And Father, may we get out of the way and allow your gifts to be used through each of us individually. Father, these are desperate times, hard times. Father, let us bow before your authority, your purpose, your will, solely and wholly for your praise. In Christ's name, amen.